your neurons are going to realign and that's going to cause pain and it's going to be the pain of connection or you must be born again yeah. you're going to go through the pain of rebirth because you're going to be realigning your neurological pathways and you're going to be saying as bob marley's saying now the weak must get strong and they cry oh what a tribulation Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi. This week, I welcome back my friend, Kokai Nosakere, for a part two of our conversation about racial healing. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the first conversation we had, go back and listen to that, and then come back to this one. If you want to keep up with the podcast, subscribe to whatever platform you're using to listen right now. You can find a consistent conversation happening on TikTok, if you search for my name, Dave Capozzi, and on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Dig New Streams Podcast. Without further ado, my conversation with Kokai Nosakere. I learned a long time ago um, that in any conflict, it was useless to pour. Uh, wisdom onto one side to mm. practice individualism. Yeah, Both sides who are participating in the conflict or three or four sides that are participating in the conflict, everybody needs wisdom poured on them and through them. Yes. So coming back from the beloved music festival in 2019 and having participated in the BIPOC sanctuary, yeah. when I created the Ashland BIPOC sanctuary, it was there needs to be a corresponding sanctuary for European Americans. Yeah. So the BIPOC sanctuary is to have a sanctuary away from white supremacy. And then the BIPOC, the uh, racial trauma center is a place to go where they can grieve their sense of loss. Mm. And you view that as the kind of thing that like white folks have a hand in establishing in those like racial trauma centers where people are trying to heal from their own whiteness Obviously, you're. That's not for you. You say it over and over again, right? It's like I'm. Nope. I'm trying to survive you. Um, <laughs> right. You know, right. Okay. So then, <clears throat> to two sources to pull this from would be Resma Minicam, who's the foremost intergenerational trauma expert in the United States of America. Mm. I believe he took the baton from Dr. Joy DeGru, and Dr. Joy DeGru was um, here in Oregon, in Portland. Oh. So he's in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. Um, Resma dropped a book, 2017, 2018, My Grandmother's Hands, mm. where he talks about intergenerational trauma and how everyone has intergenerational mm. trauma. So we're pretty clear that First Nations people have intergenerational trauma from the genocide. We're pretty clear that Black people have, and this is Black people from the Brazil North, yes. have intergenerational trauma from the enslavement practices. We do not talk much about the intergenerational trauma that European Americans have, right. or the descendants of Europe of um, Europe of colonialism. Those who implemented colonialism have here in the United States of America. So that first book, My Grandmother's Hands, goes over that concrete idea, kind of makes it very clear. Mm. And so he has a track for black people, a track for white body people, and then a track for the police or those who engage actively in the authoritative oppressive systems. Okay. Mm. Who are the the, the actual the ones that uphold it, yeah. 
Correct. The actual hammers. Well, we all uphold it. Right. The hammers. Yeah. Right. But yeah. the actual hammers. His second book, which he dropped this year, was The Quaking of America. Mm. Okay. And so in that book, he predicts that if there is no intervention, that we're on a track towards a civil war. Now, the question becomes if it's an active, hot civil war or a yeah. cold civil war. Yeah. I'm leaning towards it's going to be a cold civil war. For sure. What would a cold civil war look like? It would look like the Montgomery bus boycott. Mm. Yeah. Where there's very little violence going on. Yeah. But you see the destruction of people's lives. Yes. Okay. 100%. Right. That 100% makes sense. And I, I don't see any way around it. A lot of us, and, and mainly because there aren't many off ramps for European Americans when it comes down to acknowledging that racial stress is being experienced in the nervous system or the current events of injustice yeah. in our current society. So like, yes. for example, we just had the affirmative action decision. Yes, absolutely. There are a number of people who are like, yo, I don't agree with this. I agree, I understand you don't agree with it. So then the question becomes, what do you do about that? Right. And that's when the 15 characteristics starts kicking in and they start saying, I'm impotent. Yeah. Why? Because I can't meet the perfectionism. What do you mean by perfectionism? That means i got to have all the money. I've already got to have access to lawyers. I've already got to have access to what it's going to take in order to force these people to do the right thing. And we're like, why does it have to be force? Did <laughs> Dr. King use force? Hmm. Or was it a constant appeal to the betterment of self? Yes. But I try that and they don't, it doesn't work. How long? How long have you tried? <laughs> I tried it once or twice and it was just emotionally exhausting. And I'm like, the Montgomery bus boycott was 381 days. Yes. Yes. That's a long time. That's a and very like, long yeah. time. Yeah. Or just as recently on my um, TikTok, one guy comes on, he says, I I'm poor. I work all the time. I don't know what to do. And and this has to this this movement has to be stopped, meaning the the Trumpers or the MAGA people. And I'm like, like every black person that participated for 13 years in the civil rights movement is poor. Yes. This this is exactly the point that the um there's this I'm I don't benefit from privilege. I don't have this stuff because I'm working, you know, just to survive myself. So there there can be two things that are true at the same time. You can struggle to survive because American has a capitalist system, which is a struggle for anyone that is not at the top of that ladder. And you didn't end up there because you're in a racial caste system that oppresses you because of your race. Yes and no. Okay. Because if I look at and observe Mr. Trump, yeah, he believes he's struggling. He does, 100%. Okay. So At this point, I, he is a little bit. Not just a little bit. I mean, he, 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 that man looks Okay, dude, this is the first time we saw him lose weight. <laughs> like, the issue becomes, and this is Winthrop D. Jordan, and I'm constantly throwing out books so that love it. Love those that. who um, need the intellectual ladder, here's the intellectual ladder. Okay, so the cultural yeah. material that the colonists use in forming the United States of America the identity politics was based on contrast. Yes. Okay. Yes. Again, I'm going to say that one more time for those who are paying attention. It was based on contrast. What does that mean? That means I am defining myself in that I can do what you cannot do. Hmm. 
And our society is set up to force you to not be able to do that. Yeah. Okay. So the aristocracy in England was based on being a gentleman or gentlewoman of leisure. That meant that you did not work. So for you to have an identity of you not working, that meant you had to have people that were forced to work. Yes. So the articles are artifice. It's It's amazing how we have the receipts for this. (laughs) Yes. Forced the idle poor to meet the standard of the Protestant work ethic. Mm. So they were forced to work. And then the landowners were forced to take them and put them to work. Mm. And so in England, unlike in America, where you have the idea of a runaway slave, Mm. in England, you had the idea of runaway landlords. Mm. Because what economy on an island is going to support you putting people to work when there is a limited uh, agricultural season? Right. You're you're up north. Right. You're you're not in the Chesapeake Bay latitudes. Right. right. Okay. So now when you come to the United States of America, you still have this identity structure that's based on contrast. So someone like Mr. Trump, he may be at the part of the top 1% where you make more than $435,000 a year, you're now put in a top 3%. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. the barrier. $435,000 a year. So then who's he contrasting himself against? The government. Mm. They're always contrasting themselves, and you keep hearing that, contrasting themselves against the government, meaning I'm not the government. I'm not this group yeah. that can oppress me as an uh, individual. Yeah. So now I got to constantly recruit a team and then act as if I'm the individual that's fighting against this group thing called the government, even though I've got a team back of me and I'm going to talk as if I don't have a team back of me and I'm just doing it self-made. Mm. So then why do you need a team? And it's inherent paradox of I'm a human being, I'm a social creature. However, when I think of myself, it's the constant Sisyphus. Yeah. I'm Hercules with the 12 labors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, I'm Socrates who has to drink the poison because the society doesn't like me and I'm persecuted. Yeah. Yes. I think about this a lot when people have bias trainings. You've been if you've been in one DEI training, you've been in a million, right? Right. That, just... <laughs> right. So they'll start they'll talk about bias, but it's always a bit of a cookie cutter approach and never really forces a person to reckon with their bias. And so what what I what I think of it, <laughs> roll roll with me for a second here, okay? Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I I thought about this where a, an image of, I love baseball, so I, I'm I'm a New Yorker, Yankees, all the way until you know it got a little out of control. But let's say you've got the Yankees and the Red Sox, okay? Okay. They're on equal footing. One team hates the other. Why? Because of where they were born. So right. if you grew up in New York City, you can pretty much guarantee you're a Yankees fan, Boston, you're a Red Sox fan, okay? Right. So there's no, like, logic to this. It's it's here. It's in your gut. It's in your heart. Like, you didn't come to some logical conclusion that you're going to like the Red Sox over the Yankees or vice versa. So right. they're on equal footing. So if you hate one or the other, it's like, okay, we have a, same, a similar power dynamic. There's no one that's oppressing the other. We're, we have similar pay structures, all this other sort of stuff. But what if in the Yankees' free time, just for shits and giggles, they want to beat up on a Little League team of nine-year-olds? 
So weekly, the Yankees start to beat down on these nine-year-olds. Now, what are these nine-year-olds going to do? Eventually, they're going to be like, okay, this is out of control. You're beating us up for your own enjoyment. So they're going to start to have a bias against who? The Yankees. Not maybe just the Yankees, but maybe New York in general. And yeah. so now all of a sudden, they hate New York. Yeah, with right? legit reason. For very good reason. And at some point, that's going to continue. They're going to get older, and they'll be telling people, I hate New York. They're the worst. And they'll have this reason that is grounded in truth. And they'll hate the New York Yankees. They'll probably love the Red Sox. And here's what will happen on the other side. The New York, the New Yorkers or the New York Yankees will never acknowledge that pain. They'll Correct. sit, right? They'll be sitting there from this place of, I don't know, you know, we just, we were doing it for practice. We were doing it for fun. We were giving them experience. They could have played with a professional baseball player. All, they're going to justify all the ways that it was okay that they beat these nine-year-olds 95 to one week after week. Reckoning with where do our biases come from and the legitimacy of them is one thing, but then adding that power dynamic that people are unwilling to then face is the thing that I'm trying over and over again to figure out what is the dot that needs to be connected. And, and you talked about this logical ladder, that, or not logical ladder, you talked about the intellectual ladder that people need. When you think about the way that people come to heal and to understand their place in this caste system, how often do you see the healing part connected to their intellectual ascent? My experience as a white person is that white people have book clubs. They read white fragility. They think they've come to understand the system and it creates a kind of a strange thing when they don't have the gut thing too. So I guess I'm wondering what your experience with that is. Well, one, I think that your um, analogy with the Yankees and the Red Sox and then the Bad News Bears actually <laughs> is good. Okay. okay, that, that's, okay. A, that's a really good one. Okay. It, and it's very salient. Mm. Okay. Because, for example, when I use pro wrestling and people come to me and say, you don't like The Rock. I'm like, no, I don't like The Rock. Mm. They're like, wait a minute. How do you not like The Rock? I'm like, he hit mankind in the head 10 to 11 times with a chair yeah. while mankind was handcuffed. And yes. he did this in front of his family. Yes. Okay. And they go, right, but this is pro wrestling. And they do the exact kind of mental gymnastics that you just did and talked about when it comes down to the New Yorkers not associating that okay wow it was a brand new spirit okay it was an exhibition what are yeah. you talking it was fundraising what <laughs> they, they were just trying to you know yeah get, get and look at all the shine that the bad news bears got these yes. nine-year-olds yeah we know they're gonna get blown out but they got exposed to professional ball players and they could be you know growing up to be mlb and they they got they got exposure you know they, they had dinner with them afterwards not knowing that the bad news bears is walking in there like Ric Flair going up against Dusty Rhodes, pissed off. Yes. We got to do this every year. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> okay. So it ceases to be the personality contest. Mm. And it becomes now I'm internalizing oppression. Yes. So, so I hear that. Okay. So what happened with the beloved music festival was after 10 years, they figured out, wait a minute, how come we're the only ones here? What are we doing wrong if we're the only ones here? Hmm. Okay. 
and and they had some tools of self-awareness to use to come to that conclusion. So now when you've got the current events of injustice, which are happening on a regular basis, yes. however, you're surrounded by those who are doing the rationalization of the mental gymnastics, no different than the New Yorkers would say about the exhibition fight with the Bad News Bears. It's hard to look at that and be like, yo, but who came up with this idea in the first place of having this exhibition? And then it makes sense why the 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 children don't want to be the roses that keep growing through concrete. They want to actually remove the concrete. Why are yes. we even putting concrete here? Okay. And then how come you're not going against the college team? Right. Why are you going against the bad news bears? Yeah. Or what why aren't you if you really wanted to do something? interesting mix the team throw some kids on with some pro ball players like mix the teams up so they're just like playing together for fun right you got some pro ball players you got some nine-year-olds on the same team and they're facing off against each other instead of the nine-year-olds against the pro ball players oh sort of like muhammad ali doing an <laughs> exhibition for fundraising and we know you're heavyweight champion of the world so what does he do he has the child come out, the child hits him, he falls out, they yes. count one, two, three, and then he big ups the child for the next 15 <laughs> minutes saying, you're going to be the greatest. You're going to be greater than me. Just mm. keep tra you training. I'll make sure you got food. Oof. I'll make sure, you know, now I'm going to write the check to you because you, you, you're, you're pretty good to be doing that to me. You actually stood out here in front of all these people and you had the gravitas in order to fight with me. That's a good thing. Okay. Oof. My friend, that thing that you talk about all the time in so many different ways that there's no community in competition that way like when there's no space for what muhammad ali did in whiteness right right and that's what needs to get built so yes. when it comes down to creating that human system yes that you just asked for yes. how do you create that human system okay so once somebody wakes up and they end up having to push through the concrete of, I don't see anybody else whom I can talk to at this level. Everybody is doing the mental gymnastics of saying, this is a beautiful exhibition. We do it every year. It's a mm. fundraiser. This is how we do this. Why are you tripping, Bad News Bears? <laughs> I don't know anybody who's talking from the viewpoint of the Bad News Bears in my environment. So then... They sit there and internalize that if I start saying something, that means you guys are going to try and crush me. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the first thing that has to occur is they've got to go on the healing journey to be able to say, I am scared. I'm going to yeah. tell the truth, but I'm scared of you. At which point those who are around who've been using this argument all their lives are going to be like, why are you scared? Mm. You're scared of me? All we're doing is talking. Yes. So what are you scared about us talking? I'm not the Yankees. Right. I, I'm not the promoter. I, I'm not the one who's organizing this. I'm not transporting anybody. Why are you scared of me? And then you get to say, this is why. I hear you articulate these arguments, these mental gymnastics, every time there's a current event of injustice. Then that person gets to say, oh, wow, I never thought of it like that. I was always trying to protect myself. These are just opinions and they're going to do like Trump and backpedal. Yeah. Yes. Okay? Yes. And we're going to see them backpedal and they're backpedaling because they need the psychological shield of, okay, wait a minute. Do, are you now scared of me? 
Are you going to now physically do something to me? Yeah. So the idea that both sides right. of this equation are in fear of each other because yes. they're having that contrast identity. Mm. Okay, the identity of contrast. So as soon as you now aren't having this mental gymnastics and you show that you, I can see what's going on. Now the person up top is doing like Trump saying, okay, the group is going to come against me. Public opinion is coming against me. Popular, the popular mind is coming against me. And these are the popular mind, but they're the bad news bears. And they're like, yo, mm. dude, what do you mean? I'm coming against you. I could barely throw the ball at 25 miles per hour. You're throwing it at me at 95 and 85. And you're sitting up there saying that I can hurt you. At which point they need to grieve. Now, in the past, we had churches for them to go to. We No one goes to church anymore. So we don't have that space, community, where you can go and grieve mm. or even hear someone articulate the grievance. Yeah. Be brave enough to be able to articulate the grievance. Okay. So that's to me where the racial trauma center becomes valuable. Yeah. But now you got to be seen so that people can come around. You got to become a lighthouse so that people can gravitate towards you. But the fear is, is that if I stand out now, the, 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 the more conservative cats are going to become violent towards me. Mm -hmm. Whereas the conservatives are like, but if I see you guys organizing, isn't you guys organizing against me? So yeah. now I'm trying to protect myself from you guys organizing against me because I'm not doing anything. I'm just trying to survive. And so now, how do I protect myself from you guys? <laughs> I don't want to deal with this. Now I'm going to shrink down or isolate or I want to go off into the woods. And then we're sitting up there like, you know, First Nations and Black people. Do you have permission to be in those woods? Mm. And they're like, yeah, I got permission to be in these woods. I just go into the woods. I'm like, did you ask any of the ancestors? Did you ask any of the tribal leaders? What do you mean? I could just go into the woods. Like a colonizer. Yes. How come everything I do is bad? No one said everything you're doing is bad, but that's how you are internalizing it. And that's your intergenerational trauma popping up. Mm. What intergenerational trauma? I don't have intergenerational trauma. Go to the cherry blossom experiment and learn yes. about epigenetics. Yes. No, no. I got to be my own man. I got to be my own woman. And they're back to this. Contrast. There are these endless, like, this. I think I saw this recently on one of your accounts or one of your posts. Uh, there's like this playbook for responses to some yes. of these things, right? It's like, well, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that. In this circumstance, I'll say that. You know, when you're talking about this, this defensiveness and this fear, this cycle of defensiveness and fear, it sounds like so many other kinds of power dynamic relationships. Like True. A, Right, like a parent that's unwilling to deal with the way that their child, who's now a grown up, is saying, "This hurt me when I was a kid." Right? There's often a defensiveness. No, I would never. I was just trying because, right? Because the parents just trying to do their best. And then you've got the evangel evangelical church from which I come, who is saying like they're afraid of LGBTQ plus people, so right. they're pushing out, pushing against, pushing against. The Supreme Court did that too, and the Supreme Court is now an example of this. The, the removal of race, racial demographics as a consideration for admission to colleges, right? They, right. They've removed this um, from, from, it's now illegal to do that. So this thing that, you, this thing that you're talking about, this fear causes people to do the most outlandish. I'm afraid that you're going to have a voice in our culture, so I got to make sure you don't get educated. Correct. Right? So this- Correct. This thing that power does when it is confronted with the way in which it's been hurtful, 
Correct. That we won't, that the, the average person never wants to connect themselves with. Correct. Because we have this deep need along with the fact that we have bias, we have this deep need to be good, to be seen as good. Correct. To, 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 and, and good, again, depending on what cultural frame we're coming into. Yes. Means you can participate within the group. Okay. Yeah. So all bias comes from wound. Mm. Mm. Say more about that. <laughs> okay. So if you're an individual and your identity structure is being crafted in your childhood and you develop a bias, you're developing that bias because you got hurt by somebody along the way. So it's mm. a psychological wound. So now you're biased against something or against an experience or against a personality trait or against a personality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now that's all based on your meaning making. Again, now we're going back into jo uh, Joseph Campbell yeah, right? Right. and the hero's gender, right? right? And Carl Jung, because he loved Carl Jung. Mm. Because if you're left to the devices of just yourself, you will not make healthy meaning. Mm. Right. You will now go back to this contrast of this is what I'm not. Okay. And yes. all of the spiritual systems and before the spiritual systems, cultural systems, because before you had priest, you had the historian. And before the historian, the storyteller. Yeah. Why? They're there to help you make meaning mm. that you are a part of the biosphere. You're not this individual who is being persecuted by the biosphere. Mm. It's so true. It is. Okay. So now when you're trying to make meaning, that's where the gaps start happening. And that's where all right. the pain starts happening because you're trying to make meaning and you feel impotent all the time that you're making these meanings. Yes. As long as you're not able to talk about it and process it. That's why when they did ritual back in the day or in indigenous systems, no matter what indigenous system it is, it was three to five days mm. because you had to go on an inner journey to make meaning and realign your nervous system. So all that psychological pain is literally the neurons, the physical neurons rearranging in your brain so that the electricity flows through a different thought circuit. Mm. That's what all that psychological pain is coming from. Yeah. And so the fact that we can marry, quote unquote, what science is telling us and what the quote unquote culture is telling us. Now, the person who's waking up and learning that they have to integrate themselves, do the shadow work, Carl Young and them, integrate themselves to be whole. Mm. And they start seeing that they live in a broken society. What's the definition of perfection now? What's the definition of healing now? It becomes a continuous journey yes. and not a destination. Okay. And you hope to be able to find those who are stationed, who can entertain you like father Abraham. Now, if you can't, then you're going to wander, wandering you, you're going to wander the planet constantly in search of that, which cannot be found. Mm. Okay. Yes. So then how do you start working on this? This healing thing. Yeah. You're going to now have to like crash away from the identity of contrast mm. to find common unity. And that common unity may start off in the fear cycle. Yeah. Yeah. What are you scared of? I don't right. know. Can you name it? I thought I could. I tried, mm. but I couldn't. Okay. So how do we get out of this not becoming 
like in pro wrestling or like you said, between the Red Sox and the Yankees, a popularity contest. Because then that means that we're going to now be subject to the yep. group think, and it's going to cause us even the same kind of pain as what we were doing individually. That is. So now we got to start engaging in something called connection. Yeah, right. Well, what's connection? Namaste. Or, 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 or it's Ali, to borrow him, doing a commencement speech. Give us a poem. Me. You. We. And then he walks off. Oh, I, uh, I've a idea I've been playing with recently and you can push back or, or build on it is this idea that love is impossible without understanding that if you tell me you love me, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me unless in some way you're curious. Maybe love is impossible without curiosity. Maybe even love um, making ooh, love, love making. is not a choice. Love so, is recognition. So here's where, okay, again, you, you talk about good, right? Correct. We all, these definitions we have are clunky sometimes because culturally good means something very different to each culture right. and experience. Um, and I think we have a deficiency around our understanding around love as someone who went to seminary, studied Greek, Hebrew, the way that the Greeks talked about love and all the different words and Hebrew too. It's, it is a little deficient. The one, the love that I'm talking about is this sort of connection love that you are, are yeah. describing to me. And I yes. don't know that it's possible that thing without curiosity, without a curiosity about the, the experience of the person with whom you hope to connect. Yeah. Cause I don't know about the hope to connect. That's why yeah. I started off with love is not a choice. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. So yeah. when I held my child for the first time, Yes. Boom. I have no choice. No. I have no consent. No. I have no being. Right. I see my child and I see a reflection of self. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So now I'm already in relationship. Yeah. And now we're going to explore them together. Mm. And so now the curiosity that you're talking about, okay, because now however you present my child, mm. I only have one response to you unconditional love. Why? Because I see myself. Now, yes. if I haven't done that part, if I haven't gotten to that part of oneness, of I see myself, huh. was it Bob Marley when he said when he met up with Arasta, he understood I and I because they had in them the same thing he had in him. Yes. I and I. Yes. So they'll use the term we. Right. Okay? Right. I and I. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's a totally different, that's a, that's a totally different case. Because that means it doesn't matter what gender, it doesn't matter what color body, it doesn't matter what body you're in. It, it can be a disabled body. Yeah. What is it? I and I. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so then you're having a human experience. Mm. Oh, wow. This is absolutely fascinating. I hear what you're saying. Mm. That keeps me in orbit around you. Yeah. We're exploring this together. This is relationship, yeah. but that is not the connection. The connection is separate from the exploration because there, we already are connected. There. Okay. So so then maybe I misplaced it on the other and more curiosity about yourself, exploring yourself. Because if you're not doing that, then you're necessarily projecting onto someone else those insecurities and fears in many ways. Right. So that's supposed to be a continuum. Yes. Which means that somebody is treating you like the child. Yes, it's exactly. usually your father. Your father fell in love with you, 
And now you get to explore yourself. And because you are able to explore yourself with your father, mm. your child gets to explore themselves with you. Yes. Yes. And you, and you have those roles. So well, you say, well, if I don't have any child, if we go to indigenous systems, mm. you're an auntie, you're yes. an uncle, yes. your big cousin. Mm. Mm. And there's going to be a child that's going to look at you and be like, okay, you're mine. And they take you. And it's no, you have no choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. That's the thing. That is one of the things that whiteness cuts off from us is the, I don't have, what do you mean an, the ancestors? What do you mean auntie? Like we talked about this a little bit last time that my aunt in an Italian system, like the immigrants yes. were just like, who? I don't know, the woman that's close by that's connected to my family, she's my aunt. And that, that thing that's lost in whiteness is so crucial to human thriving and connection. Truth. Right. Truth. So Truth. when when we seek, when we invest ourselves in this healing from racial trauma and we get into these racial trauma centers, one of the things that we're re that we're rebuilding, that we're rehumanizing about ourselves is that connection to each other, is finding that way that we have ancestors, the places that we are connected to something a story that's bigger than ourselves. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Because, you know, in many um, immigrant neighborhoods in the 1890s forward, because yeah. you got to come over and actually build the neighborhoods in New York, in Chicago, in um, Jersey, in Boston, you got to physically build the neighborhood. So <laughs> yeah. it takes a little while to physically build them. You would have a big mama or a big mm. daddy yeah. who would take over the neighborhood and every child knew that if they heard their voice, they had to respond. Mm. Everyone knew. That's so true. <laughs> okay. Right. And the way, what got me is the way they got their power. It was real nice. The way they got their power was they fed everybody. Mm. Mm. If you came to their house, they fed you. In fact, yes. you could not leave their house. It was forced. You could not leave their house without <laughs> a plate. <laughs> aren't you hungry baby no i just no, ate. Not. <laughs> that's real nice you're still taking this plate yeah right you're taking right. this plate <laughs> right. You're taking right. it. if you ain't not eating something right there to there yeah. you look skinny but this is like there's this so much of what it means to be in american society right now is disconnection it is it is necessarily disconnected and so when I think about, you know, it's wild that we're having this conversation at this time of, you know, July 4th and these Supreme Court decisions that come down. Right. right. And and we're and I just I was just in a town nearby Boston, in Boston, South Shore. There's flags everywhere. There are people wearing American flags. There's to think about what America means to me is to think about disconnection, oppression, uh, conquest. I can't, I can't find myself going to fireworks and, and celebrating what people are gathering to celebrate. And this is, this actually comes from a little bit of my rootedness within Anabaptist tradition, within Christianity and not pledging allegiance to any kind of empire or nation. Um, although I'm not a Christian anymore, that's deep in me. Um, right. I, I wonder what it means for people who, who are participating in this system to invest in it in a way that can say, I recognize the deficiencies and I want to celebrate the ways in which 
um, we're moving forward together. I don't know what that looks like. I guess it's a question. I'm wondering how you process that. Well, I'm also not um, in that thought atmosphere. Yeah. And I don't have the need to Mm. justify the imperialism to myself. No. Okay. So those who no, this is all they know. Yeah. Now their bias is going to kick in and they're going to defend it to the very best of their ability because they don't have any alternatives. No. Right. And so they'll sit there and like, we tried for a while where we would say, well, let's redefine Thanksgiving where we're going to do it on the exact same day, mm. but we're going to do it for different internal reasons. Yeah. To which now those of us who are saying that, well, we tried that and you know what? It re- it's the same outcome. We're still participating in the same outcome. So I want a totally different outcome. And the only way to do that is to not practice the holiday at all. So we're going to be on a Friday. We're going to be on a Saturday. We might do it on a Tuesday or Wednesday, but we're not going to do it with everybody else on that Thursday. Then we can say we're doing it for a totally different reason. Mm. Or if I'm with my first nations, people, they call it a day of mourning. And, and for that entire week on social media, all they do is for those who are paying attention, you know, you're just, shitting on america and they're like are you serious man okay but if you do not have anything other than the villain story Mm. what else are you going to work with Mm. okay so there has to be a redemptive arc for the villain now to me that sounds Mm. like them going on their healing journey yeah okay so in pro wrestling you can be a face turn heel and then go from heel back to face Right. And there's a journey of how the bad guy becomes a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, but in our current society, we don't really give that. We try and once you become bad, we say you're always bad. We make you a psychopath and we never give you a redemptive story Mm. out of that. Mm. And that's what, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what needs to get crafted right now. And so you hear that being cried out whenever we pull down the confederate statues that's where people were saying okay so how am i supposed to look at my ancestors how am i supposed to view my grandfather okay segregation happened they didn't participate in the civil rights movement they thought the civil rights movement was against them they were participating in massive resistance how am i supposed to feel about this person who nurtured me how do you want me to feel about that (laughs) i don't want to feel bad about myself you keep talking about the genocide you keep talking about the enslavement are you saying that i'm not supposed to be here in north america Mm. where else am i supposed to go i can't go back to europe any more than you can go back to africa right so what are we going to do and so then the historian in me would be like then let's have a national conversation where we go around and do a listening tour and we have the conversation of what does it mean to be an american in 2023 with all the experience that we have and then end up going towards a new constitutional convention Mm. that is actually inclusive instead of the definition of contrast. Mm. Because of the way that I've been shaped and formed, I can only go to the Hebrew Bible and Christian scriptures for examples that sound similar to me. Uh, And what you everything that I hear you talk about sounds like repentance. The way that I understand that term is basically that someone is going one way. The way that I understood it was you're facing empire and now you've gone and sought the kingdom of God instead. 
And, and so it has a very political, it was a very political thing. And so it got turned, you know, obviously got co-opted and all that sort of stuff. But one of the things that happens a lot is this necessary bifurcation, right? Of I'm no longer an American or I'm no longer this. Jesus stayed a a Jewish person. He stayed Jewish. His people stayed Jewish. And I think that that whole shift towards this other thing came way after. You talked about this recently where a lot of white folks will cut off their family. Correct. Um, And I think this is a really important example that instead of this cutoff, it's like, what is the new thing that we create that's not based on this separation, this hierarchy um, that isn't based on 260 years ago? a document that doesn't represent any of the people that exist today. What does that look like? Oh, it looks like, and you, you just pointed toward it. Okay. Yeshua never stopped being Judaic. Okay. So his umbilical cord to Israel never got severed. So recreate, reconnect your umbilical cord. Mm. So we are a part of a biosphere. Okay. Now that means that we're not trying to intellectually bypass into science and we're not trying to spiritually bypass into myth. We are looking at the fact that we are a part of a biosphere. I am one with the earth. Mm. Reconnect your umbilical cord to Gaia. Now, once you reconnect your umbilical cord to Gaia and you see that everything you do is interconnected and in response to everything else, that you are part of a system, a part of a flow. How does that feel? Name that. Yeah. Put words to that. Yeah. That's connection. Now, that also means that back to what starts happening when you're healing, your neurons are going to realign and that's going to cause pain and it's going to be the pain of connection or you must be born again. You're going to go through the pain of rebirth because you're going to be realigning your neurological pathways. And you're going to be saying, as Bob Marty's saying, now the weak must get strong and they cry, oh, what a tribulation. Mm. It is so clear that we're, we don't base the decisions that we make on any kind of, uh, this is what I was trying to say earlier, this intellectual thing. Right. Now, um, I am always and have for years challenged evangelicals on their the way they really view the Bible, because if you really watched or listened to any of Jesus's parables, he's constantly talking about upending the system and exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. And this is not a, this is not new information. It's just that when someone takes the takes a hero, right, they take someone that is is uh, the hero in another culture and they turn them into a white leader, a white hero, a white figure, then it's impossible to break the barrier without, from my perspective, a confrontation with whiteness within yourself. Yes, I'm in agreement because they're doing so without the same um, cultural foundation. Yeah. Okay. So they're not, okay, like Hillel and Shammai were running around Mm -hmm. like, um, What's the name? Mr. Fantastic and Dr. Doom. Okay. To use the Marvel parallels, right? That's good. Yeah. So without the practical application of love and then the justification of the law, what are we doing? From those two things creating the spin of governance, then we can have the Yahshua's and the other 
quote unquote messiahs who are walking around as the friar tucks within Israel. You don't have that here. We, we that's that's part of what what's needed here, mm. where you have that being what it is that we're having a conversation with. So who are the heroes here? And yes. the heroes here are so fundamentally flawed. <laughs> That we have to create new heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're saying, heroes based on connection. Yes. Okay. So, so then, if I if I if I borrow from Black community and Hudu and Ifa and everything else like that, the elements of Gaia are personified. Yeah. As an ancestor, right? So you now you can tap into them to help you overcome the psychological gap. Back to Carl Jung, yeah. where you can identify because without the identification piece then what is the point of the myth? Because right now, like you said, mm. the disconnect, we're using this stuff just to bypass our suffering and the pain that we're feeling. Mm -hmm. So you're going to intellectually bypass into science or spiritually bypass into the American myth of exceptionalism yeah. when there's nothing exceptional about us other than our capacity to endure. Now, if I go into pro wrestling, then that becomes mankind. Mm. Right? I'm not yeah. the most talented I'm not the most athletic. The only talent I have is like Rocky. The, the talent to endure, yeah. to suffer. Mm. And in suffering, I become sympathetic because we all can identify with the suffering. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So again, if we start off with what we do have in common, yeah. it would be in America that, that story of suffering, grapes mm. of wrath. Okay. Yeah. And I don't want to drink this wine anymore. No. So how do we move to the point where we are drinking from the clean glass of mm. our collective humanity yeah. rather than from the dirty glass of our collective suffering? Um, in I, I, like mm. the experience of the pandemic, it was a flattening experience. Yes. It didn't matter if you were rich. It didn't matter if you were poor. Everybody oh. had to deal with this thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And everyone had to cope. Yes. And... Yeah. And predictably, we've gone right back to where we were before, though. Even more divide. Yes. Yes. Because I'm even more conscious of the fact that the way that you were able to cope is different from the way I was able to cope. You were able to cope in isolation with a certain level of ease that I wasn't able to cope. Yes, absolutely. Okay? So it creates even more of this absolutely. disconnect instead of leveling out to where we could actually have a conversation and find out that the poor person is having the same pain as the rich person, but it's an internal pain of identity. It isn't yeah. yes. the pain of material substance. No. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit. You, you recently made a video that I found very powerful about this idea of identity. Someone was talking about how they want to dissociate from whiteness, essentially, that they're not proud of be, they wanted to be black um, or something like this. This is a white woman. <clears throat> I and it reminded me of the times when I've gone on missions trips, you know, where we go to this developing nation that has been, you know, destroyed by Europeans and, mm -hmm. and they're rebuilding and we go there and we, white folks are jealous. They are consistently, they talk about a jealousy that they experience of these people, what great faith they have, what great community they have, but they have nothing. How can this be? And then people come and then they come back to the States and they're like, I will never be the same. I will never do this again. I will. And sure enough, of course we go back. Right. And there is this, there's this identity that we don't, we know that we don't have that we see 
in communities that are not wrapped up and um, do not embody what whiteness has given us. Your response to that person I felt like was so powerful. Do you recall the video I was talking about? Um, yes. And I asked them to be human, <laughs> which is a journey in and of themselves. Yes. To, to not identify with, with that, the racial caste system or the contrast, but to be human. But then they have to go on a, the healing journey of, well, what does that mean to me? And again, yeah. I'm going to say connect back to Gaia. Yeah. Because that's what they were observing. They were observing those persons who still believed that they were a part of the biosphere and were not a political pawn. Yes. They weren't in contrast to imperialism. They weren't identifying themselves in economics. They were still, they could hear the porcupine. They could hear the mm-hmm. snake. They could feel the worms. They could experience the breeze for the breeze and the breath of life. They were one with nature still. Yes. That that um because what you're saying, Thomas Jefferson wrote about it. That's why he talked about the noble savage. What the heaven is a that's a contradiction in terms, right? What well, how are you savage and you're noble? Right. What? <laughs> and it mainly was because they had food forces instead of forced agriculture. Mm. So they literally it was um estimated that when the colonists first came in 1607, that the average work to produce enough corn for one person in a year was 24 hours. Wow. Okay. So that meant over three to four months, you invested as an individual person only 24 hours to, to grow enough corn to take care of you for the year. Wow. Okay. So if you've got a village of 500 people, that means you only need to what, 17, 18 people who yeah. are going to invest into the forest yeah. in order to produce enough corn for yeah. everybody for the rest of the year. Yeah. So what the hell are you doing with the rest of the time? Right. Playing with the babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> making baskets, engaged in art. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You're doing all of the other human activities because you're not just struggling to survive. Mm. And you know that you're being held well by Gaia. Because you're one with Gaia. You're not fighting Gaia. Mm. So the quote unquote predatory animals aren't competing with you for food. So they're not predatory to you. Now it is brother bear. Community is the solution for for moving forward to to answer climate change. It's community. Yes. To answer the poverty index and re- and resolve the poverty index, it's community. To get rid of the loneliness and the suicide rate, it's community. Yep. It really is. I see you. You're valuable to me. I'm going to say it 87 times so that your neurological pathways actually start believing it. Yes. We're going to be here. Mm. And no matter what you happen to be going through, I'm not going to abandon you. And I'm going to be here with you. Mm. Period. Period. I don't know what that looks like. That's the adventure. But we're going to be here. Okay? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. Until next time, peace, my friends.